Thank you so much. Hey, go ahead and grab a seat. I've been thinking about this long and hard, and I decided oh, I'm not leaving. No, <laughs> no I'm leaving. <laughs> uh, but I want to answer, I want to start by just uh, answering a few questions that people have been asking me over the last month or so. And uh, they kind of go like this. So you're retiring. Good, good, good for you. And let me just tell you that for me personally, I don't like using the word retire, and I'm not retiring, but the staff wanted me to use that word. I'm retiring from Hope Church, not retiring from ministry, okay? So just so you understand that, because, uh, you know, <laughs> whatever, but, but it, it, so we are going to, a uh, couple things, these are the questions that people ask, so so are you going to move? No, we're keeping our house here in town, and uh, we're, uh, we're part of an organization called, and some of you know this already, Interim Pastors Ministry, IPM. And what they do is they go to churches that are between pastors, and they provide uh, kind of a, a, a help for a church that maybe has gone through trauma, maybe not, uh, but they need help to keep things going so that they can call a new pastor. And so uh, I'm going to be part of that ministry, and I've already been accepted and gone through the process. And actually, next weekend, we're going to be going out to Nebraska to visit a church, and uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, but uh, ultimately, if they uh, want us, you know, we'll see, you know, it's all going to next weekend. You could be praying about that. But uh, we're just uh, wanting to say, how can we serve the Lord? And I said at the last service, I said, sometimes it feels like you're jumping, uh, you know, but you're never jumping without a net, right? Because God is our net. And, and if we're always saying, God, what do you want us to do? Then he already he has a plan. So it, it's new for us in a lot of different ways, uh, but it, it's going to be a good thing. And I was just thinking about uh, all the folks that, I, you know, some of you surprised me. Some of you, I knew you were coming. Even though the staff tried to keep it a secret, I knew you were coming. <laughs> but some of you surprised me. And, uh, but some of the guests that we have here, and one that I want to point out is, uh, so I've been in ministry, this is 25 years here, but I've actually been in ministry for over 40 years. And um, I started ministry working uh, under my father-in-law, who's sitting in the back here, and uh, Paul Dixon and his, uh, my mother-in-law, Sue, and they both are still serving the Lord in a, in a church in Greenville, Michigan. And uh, they're a model of ministry, loving people, servants of God. And um, I started with them, and I learned from the best. So anyway, yeah. So I, I was thinking, and people have been asking me, my boys are, some of my, most of my boys are here, and they've been asking me, so what are you going to talk about, Dad? What are you going to talk about? And I said, well, I'm going to take the time, and I'm going to share all the grievances, and, 
I'm gonna get it all out right now. I'm gonna, and I'm gonna name names. But then I thought, well, that would take too long, so. Let's do something a little bit more positive, huh? So I thought the best way to do this was to say, what are four lessons or reflections that I have over the last 25 years? What are four things that I feel like God has taught me over the last, you know, 25 years or more? And, and they all have to do with doing ministry, doing ministry, serving God, loving God, loving others, and, and using your gifts to serve his church, right? So let me give you those four things. And uh, I'm hoping that one of those will ring true with you today and you'll take it with you and say, yeah, that's something I need to work on in my life. Whether you're, you're here in the room right now or you're joining us online, I hope this will be an encouragement to you. So the first one is this, that ministry is trusting God. Ministry is trusting God. And I love the verse from Philippians that says this, my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To God, to our God and Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. We love that verse, my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And what I've learned, and it's taken, you know, I've had to learn this lesson over, but I think I've learned it now, that God has always provided exactly what we needed, not what we wanted, but what we needed when we needed it. It was God's provision of what we needed. And then the other part is his timing. Because those are the two wrinkles, aren't they? Uh, we ask for stuff that we want, and God says, no, I'll give you what you need. And then we say, God, I, I need this now. And God says, you need it when I tell you you need it. That's hard. And that has been true in my own personal life, but also in the ministry here. Uh, when we first came here, this was a smaller church. And we'd have a key leader that would move. And you, you, you would think, what are we going to do? How are we going to replace this? This is a key leader. And, and all of a sudden, God would bring someone else would move into town. And they would be, un, uh, God would provide. And I've said over and over uh, you, some of you have heard me that everything that we needed uh, when we moved here wasn't on the moving truck. But when we needed it, God provided. By the, by the way, that moving truck almost crashed going down the northwest arterial. I don't want to name any names, Shane. But <laughs> actually, he, don't, he wasn't driving. But anyway, my point is that God provides exactly what we need when we need it. And he's done that over and over and over and over. And uh, we have some people that have returned this uh, weekend, and I'm really thankful to see your faces again. Um, but that's been a lesson that's really been important, that God always provides in his time exactly what we need, and that we trust him with that. Because when we get into trouble, when I've gotten myself into trouble, as I try to fix it myself, and that goes way back to the Abrahamic covenant, doesn't it? Where God said to Abraham and Sarah, you're going to be a great nation. And Abraham says, well, we don't have any kids. Let me fix that. No, that wasn't a good fix, was it? You can read the story. Genesis 12 and on, you'll see how Abraham tried to fix that problem, and he didn't fix it. Instead of waiting on the Lord, he tried to fix it. 
Um, but here's the point, and here's the principle for the first one. God doesn't give us what we want. He gives us what we need when we need it. So maybe that's the thing you'll take away today, that you'll say, God, I've been wanting this, but I really need this, but I'm willing to wait in your time and not rush you and rest in you and trust you. And I think Carol and I, one of the lessons we're going to learn moving forward is we're going to have to continue to trust him in that lesson. So we'll see how we do, right? Um, Here's the second thing. Ministry is a team sport. Ministry is a team sport. You know, one of the things I'm going to miss moving forward is working with the great people and the great teams that we have here. We have a great elder board, folks. You have a great elder board here. And uh, I know somewhere in the audience, Dale Dryling is here. And great elder chairman. I know Shane is here. He was an elder chairman. He was an executive pastor. Daryl's Cloud is here in his family from Chicago. Another great uh, leader, executive pastor. All these people, have they've been here. They've just helped us take those next steps when we needed them. God provided them. And... Uh, but it, but it was doing team work together. It was working together. Um, and, and, and that's some of the best memories that I have here is working with people and working with teams, working with the staff, working with the elders, working with key leaders, uh, people who said, I want to serve God. I want to use my gifts. Uh, I, I so appreciate so many people that have served here faithfully over the years some have left, but God always provided new leaders, and you were always amazed. They were, I used to, you know, lay awake at night and say, what are we going to do? And, and now it's just like, God, no, he's got this. I guess somebody's going to show up, and they do. And God says, yeah, I have this. Um, so thank you for all of you who have served faithfully who are part of the, you're in, you, you know you're part of the team, you know you're in the game, and you're serving God with your gifts, whether it's in front of people or behind the scenes, you are a part of the team, and you're serving, you're giving to the team, you're using your gifts. Thank you for that. Uh, because we're standing on the shoulders of people that went before us, and uh, now Ross and his team are going to take over, and, and they're going to, take the church to the next place that God has planned for this community. Uh, But I want to say a word. Um, I want to say thank you to a number, and you may be, uh, and I, I had a number of people come up afterwards, and I greeted them, and I said to them, uh, thank you for hanging in there. You've been there the whole time. You got you. You were there when we did things that I know you didn't like. Changes we made that you didn't like. You didn't want it, but you hung in there. You stuck up. You stuck in there. Other people just left, but you were there. And and I greeted three people after the service last this last service, and I said I'm I was talking about you. Because that meant a lot to me. It meant a lot to Carol that you, you hung in there when we had to do something that you didn't want, but you said, I'm going to be there. And some of you are here right now. You hung in there. You didn't agree with it necessarily. You may not have liked it, but you hung in there because you said, you know what? The church is bigger than me. 
And the church should succeed and it should go to the place it needs to go, even if I don't like how it's going. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, and I've always known that Hope Church isn't about me. It's really about we. But more than that, Hope Church is about he. It's about him. And that's where it always has to be moving forward. It always has to be about him. It can't be about me. It actually can't be about we. It has to be about he, him. It has to be about what God wants to do in this community and what God wants to use this community to do within this community, this community we live. So um, I guess what I'm saying is I really like the team. I don't want to leave the team, but I'm being traded. <laughs> so what are you going to do? <laughs> um, but I want to say to you who, who have this mindset, and I understand where it comes from, that there are ministers and then there's you. But the Bible says that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, then you are a minister. You've been called to ministry. You're called to serve one another. You're called to be part of the team. Um, I want to read you a story. I love this story. This is from Luke chapter 5. It says this, The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. And they tried to take him into the house and lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on a mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, the, four, the faith of the four, he said to the man, friend, your sins are forgiven. So because of the four bringing the man to Jesus, the one found healing. That's the way the church is meant to be. It's a team effort, right? We work together. And by the way, they ripped the roof off to get to Jesus. They ripped the roof off the house. They literally ripped the roof off. And by the way, too, that's how you use the word literally. They literally took this roof off, okay? Because I hear people saying it all the time. He literally, no, that's not literal. This is literal. They literally ripped the roof off, okay? So, sorry, it it's kind of bugs me a little bit when people say, literally, literally. No, this is literal, okay? They ripped the roof off. But they were worked together. They were a team. They, they did together what he couldn't do by himself. And they brought him to Jesus. Hope Church has always been about team ministry. And we are standing on the shoulders who came before us. And now we have set the, we've set the, the bar and we've set the, the path. And now Ross and his team is going to lead us into the future. And I trust Ross. I trust our board. I trust our staff. You're in good hands and they're going to do a great job. But what I want to say to you, and this may speak to your heart today, is whether you know it or not, you are part of the team. So if you're part of the team, I challenge you, if you're not in the game, get in the game. You say, Pastor Matt, how do I get into the game? Well, you talk to Mark, you talk to Deanna, you talk to Lori, you, you, you talk to Ross, and you say, hey, I want to get into the game. I want to use my gifts. I want to serve on the team, and they'll find a way for you to, to get involved. Um, Rick Warren uses a phrase, every, every uh, member a minister Everyone serves. Everyone has gifts. 
That's all through the New Testament. All right, here's the third thing. Ministry is all about health. You know, when I first came here, um, I saw potential, but I didn't realize what we were really working on. And it just kind of dawned on me about probably five or ten years ago that ultimately what the role, what my, what the, one of the biggest contributions I could bring to this community was to help it have healthy, emotionally and spiritually healthy relationships and structures. In other words, have a board that functions on, uh, elder board that functions on a healthy, uh, spiritually uh, mature, uh, emotionally healthy way. Have a staff that functions in that way. Have the structures that, that provide healthy communication, especially when there's conflict and things like that. Uh, provide uh, just ways so that this community could be a healthy community. Because some of you have been in churches that they're not healthy. There's, 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 there's dissent. There's conflict between the pastor and the board or between the staff, or, you know. And we, you know, it's not to say we haven't gone through conflict or we won't have conflict moving forward. But what I realized was one of my major roles is to bring a model and a, and a desire and, a, and a, the idea that this church needs to be healthy in the way we behave towards one another in the way that we, we, we carry ourselves. And, and I think we're providing that. And I think we're, you're seeing the results of that. It's taken a long time. And it's sometimes taken pruning to get to that place. But having health is such an important thing. I believe hope is becoming more and more spiritually, relationally, and structurally healthy day by day. Now you say, well, what is a sign of a healthy community? Um, let me give you a few. In the scriptures, almost 60 times, some of them are repeated. You have a number of what we call the one another statements. It says in John, love one another. That's repeated a number of times. It says be devoted to one another. It says forgive one another. And, and so a part of spiritual health is that you are, forgi- you are able to forgive. And you are able to go through the process of forgiveness and whatever that looks like in your life, in your relationships. And that we as a staff, as a board, as, as a community are forgiving of one another. And we work through issues and conflict in a healthy way. Uh, it also says to comfort one another. One of the things, and you don't always see that, most of you don't always see that, but sometimes before a service or sometimes afterwards, somebody will come up to me and they'll say, hey, pastor, would you, would you pray for me? I'm going in this week, and the doctor thinks, you know, it could be, it could be any, a little thing, but usually it, there's something bigger if they grab me, and they say, would you pray with me? Um, I have cancer, and I'm going in for my first treatment, and I'm scared. I said, okay, here's what we'll do. Um, you come down front, right down front here, and I'll meet you down here. And then I'll go, I'll grab an elder or two. I'll grab some of you. And I'll say, hey, would you stay for another five or ten minutes? We want to pray for this person. And then I'll have them sit in a chair, and I'll have them say, tell us how we can pray for you. And they'll share. This is what's going on. This is what's happening. And there's a group of people I said, okay, now sit in a chair. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you right now. 
We're going to pray that God helps you, that God's presence is powerful in your life, that he heals you. We're going to, and, 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 and that people will start to pray. And then I say, pray out loud so we can hear. And what I love about this is there are times where we've started with five people here and we finish with 15 or 20. Because other people just showed up. And they joined the pack and they prayed. And I, told that per- I would tell that person from time to time, now you know what? I'm not the only one that's going to be praying for you this week. There's 15 or 20 people that are going to be praying for you too. That's what we're called to do. That's the scripture, right? It says comfort one another, pray for one another. That's how it happens, right? Encourage one another. And so we are becoming more and more like a community where things like that are happening. And they're happening in our life groups and they're happening in our community. And, and we think this is where God wants us to be in this kind of place. And, and that's what we're talking about. Um, the other thing I want to mention, and just very quickly in passing, I think there's a mentality going through evangelical Christianity. And I know evangelical Christianity, you can't even use that phrase nowadays because it's so politically, it's got such baggage. I am not at all talking about anything political when I mention evangelical Christianity. What I'm talking about is the gospel. And what I mean is this. It's becoming more and more apparent that Christians are seeing the gospel as, and I say it on a weekly basis, so maybe I'm partly responsible, that Jesus Christ came to take your sins, he, he, he took your sins so that you could be forgiven, he gave his life so that you could live, and that's absolutely true, but he did more than that, and there's a lot of Christians that think the only thing that Jesus really interacts with my life about is that one day I'm going to heaven and I'm forgiven. My sins are forgiven. But I just want to tell you, Jesus said, I have come that they might have life and more abundant life. That God wants you to become more like his son, Jesus, right now. The Father wants you to become more like Jesus. And, and, and there, there needs to be transformation in your life. It's not about, Jesus, thank you for saving me. One day I'll see you again in heaven. No, it's about your life being transformed. One of the reasons the world doesn't really care a lick about what we say or what we, what we believe is because they don't think we believe what we say we believe. We're not behaving like Jesus would want us to behave. And what I'm saying is, and I've said this over the years, if you're the same person today that you were last year, something's wrong. Jesus should be daily, weekly, monthly, transforming your life. You should become more loving, more forgiving, uh, more patient. Um, Your words should become more encouraging. And if they're not, you say, what is going wrong here? Jesus came not just to save us, he came to transform us here and now. And so we have to hear the whole gospel because that's what the whole gospel says. And so if you're not growing, then there's a problem. And, and maybe you said, okay, what do I do now? Okay, talk to Mark, talk to Ross, and they will get you started. They will help you with that. But here's the, the thing I want you to see. 
I love the gospel because the gospel says two really important things about us at the same time. The first thing the gospel says is that you're lost, you're beyond hope, you're beyond help, you need a savior, and that savior came as a rescue party of one. His name is Jesus. He lived the life you should have lived. He died the death you should have died. He gave his life so that you could live. He took your sins so you could be forgiven. You are a sinner unable to help yourself and unable to save yourself. Going to church, believe, you know, believing in God, those are all good things. They will not save you. But when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you, though you are a sinner, are forgiven. Now, you still are a sinner, but the other side of the coin is a great side because it says, though you are a sinner, you are a son, you are a daughter, you are beloved, you are cared for. So you can't really get, you know, fancy pants about yourself, right? Look at me because you go, no, I'm a sinner and I can do terrible things and I can say and do bad things. But I don't beat myself up because I'm a, I'm a son, I'm a daughter. And I'm loved by God. And that's a great balance to have between those two, right? All right, here's the last thing I want to share with you. Ministry understands it's his church. Hope Church is his church. My family is his church. My life is his life. It's the area of ownership. Oftentimes we come to a church and we say, well, what's there for the kids? What's there for me? And understandable, and you should probably do that. But there is a point where you go, wait a minute. This church isn't about me. It's about him. It's his church. And I think where the wheels come off for some churches and in our lives is when we think the church is ours. When we think the, our lives are ours. When we think our kids are ours, when we think our houses are ours, our possessions are ours, our careers are ours. When we do that, we've moved from being a steward to being an owner mentality. We are not owners of anything. We don't own anything. They all belong to God. They're on loan to us. We are our steward of everything you have. Your gifts, your abilities, your kids, your house, your possessions, your career, everything belongs to him. And, and his church, the church belongs to him. It's his church. And, and, and we can never lose that focus. My desire, and, and here's the thing, and I've said this to the staff over the years, that if it comes down between you winning or the church winning, the church always wins. You always lose. You always lose. It's his church. You bow down to his church. It's not about you. It's about him. And you have to have that mentality. You have to. My desire is that I will always submit to him and his church. That's my desire for you too. That you'll see things you don't like. You know, I don't like that. I wish they did this different. Okay, noted. Now give, give up your rights. I love the last passage I want to read you. It's from Ephesians chapter 5. Christ loved the church. Can I read that one more time? Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy 
cleansing her by washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The church belongs to Jesus because he gave his life for her. It doesn't belong to you. It belongs to him. It's his church. And when it comes down between you and the church, you lose, he wins. And my last point is this. If Jesus loves the church so much that he would come and give his life, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we love the church in the same way? You say, Pastor, they're hypocrites. They're, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> they're mean. Yeah, they are. Uh, but Jesus loved the church. And if he loved it so much and gave his life, shouldn't we love it? I think we know the answer, don't we? Would you bow your head and let me close our time in prayer? Father, thank you for your church and for all that you, you have done through it and are doing through this church, this community. Thank you for the faithful leaders that have come before us and have faithfully served you. Thank you for the people right here, right now, that are just ready to serve you, Father, and love you and want your church to win and uh, want to submit to your leadership. Father, I pray for Ross, and I pray for the elders, and I pray for the staff and the leaders here at Hope, that you would give them wisdom and direction, and give them a spirit of unity, and give them just a, uh, an amazing time to serve together as a team. And I pray, Father, that you would continue to use this church in bigger and greater ways than we could have ever dreamed that we would look back maybe in another 10 or 15 or 20 years and say, wow, that's amazing. But Father, we want you to do your work through us and your church can't really accomplish much unless we're willing to submit to you first. So may we submit to you in our personal lives and as we serve you, Father, so that we can reach this community with the gospel. And we thank you for your presence with us today. And we thank you for your leadership in our lives. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen.